What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Meet Jennifer Granholm. She's the Biden administration's secretary of energy. Granholm is one of those really interesting people that gets into politics and becomes a multimillionaire who sits on the board of clean energy companies and defense contractors. She was once the governor of Michigan, and her response to Michigan's failing auto industry was to invest in green energy. Let's get a quick summary of how that turned out. You know, in De December of 2020, December 29th, just a, a little month ago, uh, USA Today published an op-ed entitled, Jennifer Granholm's Energy Record in Michigan Should Frighten America. The op-ed alleges that as governor, you directed hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars to batteries, solar, other green energy companies that failed to deliver uh, on their job creation promises. Um, one of the highlights that we talked about, one of the examples was A123 Systems, an advanced battery company, promised to create 3,000 jobs. 2009, the Obama administration awarded A123 Systems $249 million grant. Your administration provided more than $141 million in credits and subsidies. In 2012, uh, they filed for bankruptcy. Uh, later bought by a Chinese company, restructured in federal bankruptcy court, and stopped manufacturing in Michigan altogether. In short, American taxpayers spent close to $400 million to subsidize a technology transfer. Is Michigan a leader in clean energy today? Nope. However, Jennifer is in charge of transitioning the entire United States to green energy. Let's listen to that broken record. Right now, we are witnessing the beginning of one of the most significant events in human history, the clean energy transition. It is long overdue and it can't progress fast enough. We know, you know, we have got to still reckon, reckon with the impact of climate change. That clean energy transition is not just coming, it is here. Well, I mean, the message is that this, we are in a transition and the transition does not happen overnight. And we recognize we're not gonna flip a switch and be completely um, all clean because we haven't done the, the investment necessary. You know what? These upward spiraling prices of fossil fuels are exactly why we have to transition to a clean economy. Because, I mean, my counterpart in Ireland, Minister Ryan, often says, no country has ever been held hostage to access to the sun or access to the wind. So let's build our own energy security, all of us at home, so that we are not held hostage. But the bottom line is that this president and this administration are looking at every single tool to shield American families from the impact of rising energy prices. And we're working through, we're working through an energy transition. And we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this, this is a transition. At the Department of Energy, we are really obsessed with how we get to net zero by 2050 and how we get to 100% clean electricity by 2035. The fact that 5,000 scientists come here to try to solve those problems, it's a gift to the planet. Jennifer's answer to everything is buy an electric car. 
despite the fact that her family only has one, she doesn't even know how to charge it. And recently, she honestly admitted most Americans couldn't afford electronic vehicles. But doesn't clean energy just raise oil prices even more? Because we're, we're still dependent very Absolutely. heavily on fossil fuels, and, and it's very expensive to get there. It is not expensive. Uh, clean energy is the cheapest form of energy. Wind and solar are the cheapest forms of energy. So no, it does not. In fact, if you drive uh, an electric vehicle, not that everybody can afford one. But Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. Not that everybody can afford one, but just if there were a transition to an electric mm. vehicle and you filled up today at the pump with your vehicle, it would cost you maybe between 50 and $60 to fill it up. If you charged it at home, it would cost you maybe $12 to fill it up. And of course, the savings uh, from a vehicle perspective of owning, maintaining, and not having to fill up uh, are, are just enormous. Thank you. Well, what did you pay for the last tank of gas that that you put in your vehicle. Do you, does your personal vehicle use gas? My personal vehicle is located in California, and I paid close to, well, actually, my personal vehicle is electric, but the, uh, my daughter's vehicle, who's with us, paid close to $5 a gallon. Yeah. It's expensive. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> Look, amazing. <laughs> what if this one has two? When you're talking about uh, you know, a tax credit on solar panels, electric vehicles, energy efficient appliances and windows. People who are spending money on those things aren't the ones who are living paycheck to paycheck and inflation is hitting the most. Well, actually, no, I mean, people who are able to uh, uh, qualify, for example, for weatherization, there was a massive increase, billions of dollars, for people who are low, moderate income to be able to weatherize their home and save money right away. Third, up to 30% of energy bills can be saved. That uh, was part of the bipartisan infrastructure law, which is one of the four pieces of legislation that I think have the biggest impact on lowering costs for people that has been passed by this president. So no, there are some things that take effect uh, into the future, some that take effect right now. Electric vehicles can help break our reliance on fossil fuels so that we don't have to do that again. They can shield American families from the boom and bust of these high gas prices, and they can certainly negate the ability of other countries to determine whether it's ours or other, other countries' citizens' paychecks being spent on fuel for vehicles. The transportation system right now is about a third of our carbon pollution that goes up into the air. So we need to decarbonize. And my favorite thing ab about this is that the if you drive an electric vehicle, especially when you consider these outrageous gas prices today, if you drive, if you have a 15-gallon tank, which is the average size of a tank today, and you went to fill it up on average, if you had the, paid the average gas price across the country, which is about $3.80, you'd be paying 54 bucks to fill up your tank. That's 54 bucks. If you had an electric vehicle that would take you the same distance, about 300 miles, and you plugged it in at home, it would cost you about 12 bucks. 54 versus 12. That is a huge savings every time you fill up your car. So I'm just saying that the, the, the movement to electrifying our transportation system, to resolving greenhouse gas emissions and climate change, and it will also put money in people's pockets. And that's very exciting, too. If you filled up your EV, 
by charging and you filled up your gas tank with gasoline and you have the same size tank, you would save $60 per fill up by going electric rather than using gasoline. So it's very compelling case. But again, to your point, we want to bring down the price at the point of purchase. So that people can buy electric vehicles and don't have to ever worry about going to fill it up at the gas pump. And I just say, Chris, one of the things that I think is a really great example of this is that if you filled up your 15-gallon tank today, you'd be paying about 62 bucks to go 300 miles. If you plugged in an electric vehicle in your garage with your three-prong plug, yep. you'd be paying about 10 bucks. So 10 bucks versus 62 bucks, that's 50 bucks you're saving every time you fill up. That's a huge savings for real people. As an example of electric vehicle benefits, $6,000 will be the savings for the purchaser of an electric vehicle over the, over the course of the lifetime of that vehicle because it's so low maintenance, because there are so few moving parts. But more than that, charging an electric vehicle is so much cheaper than filling up your gas vehicle, especially now. You want to make sure that you're electrifying all aspects of transportation. So the president has this goal of getting to 100% by 2035 and net zero by 2050. Fox asked people whether they plan to take advantage of the tax credit. And here's what they told us, and we'll get your response on the other side. Watch. I personally wouldn't buy an electric car with that much money. We're not going to even think about it because uh, we don't have the income available to uh, buy a new car, even with the incentive. What really is $7,500 against the cost of an electronic car? You're anti-fossil fuels, aren't you? I uh, would like to transition away from unabated fossil fuels to a clean energy future. How did you transit over here today? Um, I have a, I got a ride in the fleet vehicle that we have. And that's a suburban probably with a chase vehicle for your security detail? Uh, I, my preferred vehicle is, is the one fleet I don't care about your that preferred is, vehicle. That's not what well, I Well, I have in my fleet vehicle, we do have an electric vehicle. I, I, we had did you drive the electric vehicle, vehicle over here today? Uh, the, not today because we had too many people in the car. Okay. So just for the record, they have fossil fuel vehicles within the fleet that moves yes, the secretary around. And I'm glad you have electric vehicles. That's fine. We'll, we'll knock that for the record, too. Is that a Tesla or is that a Ford product? You... The Ford product. Okay. Thanks. Let's listen to Jennifer shift the blame around. I hear that's a winning strategy in Washington. But can you comment on the three examples I just gave? You say you want to increase supply. Everything I just said is about directly decreasing supply. What about those? NPRA, uh, Cook Inlet, New NEPA rules. I, I hear what you're saying. Do you agree with me that I, those are about limiting supply? No, it's not about limiting supply. Of course they are. When supply. you take leases off the table. But maybe there are other concerns why a lease might be taken off the table in a sensitive environmental area. Maybe Half of the National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska? I, I don't, I, you know, this is not my uh, lane. So Cook Inlet? It, and I understand that there was no interest on the part of That's not true. That's to fundamentally do. a lot. Okay. Well, but again, that's I, not yours. Again, this is not... These are not my areas of responsibility. I'm How just about the NEPA you, rules? I, again, that's, that's EPA. That's not me. No, no, that's the White House, CEQ. Well, let me just say this. We want to see an increase in supply, and we want it to be done in a responsible way. The actions I just, I'm just laid out that, in the last three weeks would indicate directly 
otherwise. There have, but if you were in, if you were in Brazil, you'd be paying the same mm-hmm. amount for gas at the pump, over five dollars. Yeah. If you were in Canada, you'd be paying over six dollars. If you were Understood. in Germany, you'd Understood, be paying Secretary. over eight dollars. So we're talking about this the United States, though. The world. We're talking about the United States right now. What the yeah. president can do. And four dollars seventeen cents is the price for the average price for a gallon of gas for regular gasoline in this country right now. How, yeah. how high? Do you expect it to go, and how long will that last? Yeah, it's uh, that's that's the question. We don't know, of course. We don't know how long Putin is going to terrorize Ukraine. We do not know how long his war will last. But let's be clear: these increases are are because of Vladimir Putin. This is Putin's war. These are Putin's increases. Some have viewed the Biden administration's energy policy as anti-fossil fuel. When we asked Secretary Granholm if the Biden administration's energy policy is driving up gas prices, she said this. I think it's baloney. This administration wants the oil and gas companies to extract what they can, even as we also accelerate toward a clean energy future. And she says that future includes more electric vehicles. If you have a garage and you plug it in at home, then you it may cost you about $12 to fill up your tank, if you will, to go 300 miles. If you if you bought gasoline today, you'd be paying about 52 bucks to fill up your tanks. Republicans on the Hill are blaming your energy policies. To remind our viewers, you're, an en- you're the energy secretary. Energy policies from the Biden administration for driving up gas prices. Prices are about 50 cents higher per gallon today than when President Biden took office. Um, beyond whether or not you think that, that your policies are to blame, are you worried that the prices could impact whether or not Americans travel, which is, of course, needed to put money back into the economy? People need to travel, right. But we need to get the virus under control first. We need to get to that 70%. We need to get to herd immunity. You know, why Why has have gas prices gone up? Could that be because of the virus itself as well? Is it, I mean, everything is tied together. So the summer driving season is underway and Americans are paying more at the pump every time they fill up their gas tank. Uh, gas tank. This is a global problem. There are two causes for it, which these high prices uh, derive from. One is, of course, Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. Um, Vladimir, Russia was a very high exporter of oil because of the invasion of Ukraine. Countries like the United States and Canada rightfully have said, we are not going to take any uh, Russian oil. Therefore, about a million barrels per day have been taken off the market as a result of that. And secondly, the supply and refining capacity constraints that have been created by COVID-19 in the United States, but also around the world. The former Treasury Secretary, Larry Summers, he said to me on the show last week that there is certainly a risk of a recession in the next year. Are you and the Biden administration taking preventative steps in case that happens? Oh, for sure. I mean, the the president is really focused on preventing these inflationary increases to the extent he can. Inflation obviously is happening globally. A recession is not inevitable. The president really wants to have a steady and stable recovery. But of course, one of the biggest pieces of these inflationary increases that we're seeing is the price of fuel. Because one of nature's men, and we have got to leave as a nation other countries to be able to achieve their goals. We then leave and show 
Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. You do not believe any of your policies have impacted the supply of oil and gas in this country? Nor does uh, the CEOs of the oil and gas industries, 94% of whom have said that the failure to produce more have nothing to do with uh, the policies of government. Yeah, I, I would argue that point, and I think most Americans would as well. Uh, the, I grew up in the oil and gas industry. I'm still connected to it. And those folks are afraid to invest because of your policies, uh, your over-aggressive policies. And I just hope that your economists would stop and take responsibility that, you, that the decreased supply in this country is what has led to the increased price, and your policies are responsible uh, for that. How many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me, sir. Remember how I said she's one of those multi-millionaire politicians? Let's watch her squirm when she gets grilled on that. So you said during your confirmation hearings that you were going to divest from Proterra, which is an electric battery and vehicle manufacturer. Recently, Joe Biden did a virtual tour of the facility, ostensibly promoting it. And the White House says that you haven't divested yet. Do you plan to divest? Absolutely. Um, I've signed uh, an agreement, an ethics agreement that requires me to divest of all of my individually owned stocks, like all employee, all uh, federal appointees within 180 days. And I certainly will do that. Do you, do you, do you see the, val the, the, val the validity of why it looks prop improper that he's promoting this? Well, I had nothing to do with that trip. I mean, I had, mm -hmm. I've resigned from Proterra. I've signed an ethics mm -hmm. agreement. I will divest of all of my stocks. And this is why you have ethics agreements with mm -hmm. federal employees so that these issues do not arise over the course of four years. So I will, I will certainly do that. And I understand the importance of those ethics agreements. Here's the problem with this virtual tour of Proterra. Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, owns at least $5 million of stock in this company, Laura. And she mm -hmm. sat on the board of directors for years. Now, Oops. this infrastructure bill that Biden and Granholm are pushing dedicates $174 million to the electric vehicle market and $45 billion to the zero emission buses that the company builds. I mean, the fix is in here. This is a bad look. Well, but um, I've got to ask you a question on behalf of my constituents to address concern. Um, and that is your ownership stake in Proterra. Proterra is in Greenville, South Carolina, one of their facilities. I visited it. The Biden administration actually visited it recently with the president coming to, to Greenville. Um, 
What have you done to unwind your investments in Proterra? And do you think that's a conflict of interest? Yeah, I, I very much uh, understand and agree with the importance of avoiding conflicts. I support that a thousand percent. I'm in the process of fulfilling my obligation to divest. The selling of stocks and options is what's required for every appointee. And like every appointee, I've signed a comprehensive ethics agreement, which was drafted and vetted by the Office of Government Ethics. And that in agreement ensures that I divest of all individual stocks and options within 180 days. And I expect to have that done well in advance of that deadline. Last month, President Biden uh, virtually toured an electric vehicle company that you hold millions of dollars invested stock options in. And you previously sat on the board of the company. The top Republican on the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee is now calling for an investigation into any p potential conflicts of interest. Uh, what's your response? I am so grateful that this president makes everybody who comes on in an appointed position sign a strong ethics agreement, which requires that everybody divest of their individual stocks, which I am in the process of doing. I certainly had nothing to do with that visit, didn't even know about it until the day that it happened. But the ethics agreement is important. The ethics agreement that everybody signs to ensure that there are no conflicts of interest. And I'm proud that I work for a president that insists upon that. America, I think it's safe to say we are in safe hands with Jennifer Granholm as our energy secretary. This is not just an energy and climate issue. It also is potentially the greatest peace plan that ever existed to be able to build out energy independence from clean energy.